What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we're going to be going over the Washington football team. You like that? You like that? Yeah, you do. You do like that because we've got Antonio Gibson, Ryan Fitzpatrick, which, hey, no no shame in drafting Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll talk about why, but especially in Superflex Leagues. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, Antonio Gibson, De'Ami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, otherwise known as Scary Terry, Logan Thomas. We've got guys to talk about, and this is a fun team. I really think this is going to be a fun team this year. They won the division last year with a losing record. They're probably going to win the division this year with a winning record. That's my prediction. But let's get into it. Let's talk about the Washington football team. What are some personnel changes? Not too many. They lost right tackle Morgan Moses, but they did replace him with an offensive tackle in the second round by drafting Samuel Cosme, so we're not losing much on the offensive line, if at all. They also added to their sick defense. Their defense is already insane, and they added to it. They grabbed Jameen Davis in the first round of the draft, and then, who will function as a linebacker, sometimes go on the D-line, and then... Well, actually, before, they added William Jackson, the corner, who I really like from Cincinnati, to just lock down that secondary, helped him out a lot there. So now you're looking at a defense that got even better, and they were possibly in the running for, like, best defense last year. Probably not there just yet, but they might be now. And it's very possible they are the number one defense this coming year. So keep an eye out for that. They also obviously signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. They drafted my guy, Deami Brown, in the third round, wide receiver out of North Carolina. And they also signed wide receiver Curtis Samuel. So we've got a lot to talk about. Let's look at some of the trends, right? I already said defense might be number one in the league. So the defense obviously improved. No doubt about it. The wide receiver core also got a lot better with the additions of both Curtis and Deami. Last year, let's look at their plays. 60% of the plays were passes. I was very surprised. Kind of like I was surprised about the Bears. 60% of the passes in Washington, or 60% of the plays were passes. So obviously that leaves 40% for the run. Their recent moves even support a pass-heavy stance by adding wide receivers. They didn't add any running backs. And their defense is getting better. So you've got to balance both of these things because recent moves support the pass-heavy attack but you have to remember last year they had a good defense yes but their offense was so bad that they weren't putting up enough points on the board to support being able to run the ball in the fourth quarter because while they were in some games in the fourth quarter especially because of their division being really bad a lot of games they were trailing by a lot that's not going to be the case anymore if their defense is better and their offense is better and has more points on the board going into the fourth quarter. They don't have to pass. They'll be able to run the ball with Gibson. So that's something to keep in mind. And that's why I'm moving their split from 60-40 to 57-43. I think they're going to pass a little bit less, be able to run a little bit more. Nothing crazy, 
small shift, but it matters when it comes to projections because we're splitting hairs between some players once we get down to the nitty-gritty and all 32 teams are projected out. So everything matters, and that's the percentage change that I'm committing to this team this year. Last year, they had 1,001 plays. Their defense helps their offense get on the field because the defense gets off the field quick. That's part of the reason why they had so many plays last year. That would put them at 1,060 plays in a 17-game season, so that's pretty much what we're working with here. And that makes for 604 pass attempts for Ryan Fitzpatrick at 57% that we talked about earlier. So working off of those 604 pass attempts, we got to figure out the efficiency for Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? He has been pretty good, actually, a lot better than I think most people would think over the last three years. 64 over the last three years, 64.8% completion percentage, 12.1 yards per completion. That is great. And yes, that's boosted by his year in Tampa with all the weapons, but he's still been pretty good in the yards per completion and overall yards per attempt category. And then 4.9% touchdown rate, just above league average. That's Ryan Fitzpatrick so far the last three years. Now let's look at the situation he's coming into now. Washington has good weapons. They've got two receiving running backs in McKissick and Antonio Gibson. They've got a decent tight end in Logan Thomas. And they've got three good wide receivers, a gadgety guy with Curtis, a deep ball guy with Diami, and a do-it-all type of guy with Terry. So he's got a good cast. And I think this cast in overall talent is better than what he was working with last year in Miami. So we can project pretty good efficiency once again. He's got his yak guys. So yards after catch for those that don't know. In guys like Curtis and Terry is pretty good after the catch. I think Diami is going to be pretty decent in that category as well. But one thing to remember about Ryan Fitzpatrick is everything he's done over the last three years has been in spurts. It's been segments. It's never been a full season. He hasn't played a full season as a starter. He might be doing that now. And that's probably going to change things a little bit because he never sustains his efficiency or his good play over an entire season. We will have Fitzmagic at some point this year. That's a guarantee. We will have Fitzmagic, but we will also have Fitztragic at some point. So knowing that there's going to be the ups and the downs, it's more likely that he's not going to go crazy. And that's what I'm keeping in mind here. Last thing to touch on before we get into what I'm projecting passing efficiency-wise is his rushing ability. He's got more than you would think. All right, I'm going to give you a chance to guess before I give you the number. In the last 32 games, so taking all the games he's played over the last three years, in the last 32 games, how many rushing touchdowns does Ryan Fitzpatrick have? I'm going to give you five seconds. Four, three, two, one. He's got eight. Eight rushing touchdowns in the last 32 games. On a 17-game pace, that gives him four touchdowns. That's pretty good. Four rushing touchdowns. So... I'm going to not give him four. I'm going to give him three. But keep that in mind. Also with the yardage, he's been over 150 yards the last three years, and he's not played a full season any of those years. So putting him at about 200 rushing yards is super safe because now we're projecting him for 17 games. So 200 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. The little things matter. That really, really helps him in terms of his total points. Now for his efficiency, Remember, I told you his average over the last three years, 64.8. I'm going to put it to 65 for this year. 
Then 12.1 yards per completion, I'm going to drop that down to 11.4, which also makes sense why his completion rate would be higher because he's not being as explosive, not like with the Bucks when he's throwing deep balls to Deshaun and Mike Evans and then letting Chris Godwin do a bunch of stuff after the catch. And then I'm going to drop his 4.9 touchdown rate down to 4.4. New team, new system to learn. And I, I just I think it's going to go down a little bit. So that's what I'm projecting efficiency-wise for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nothing crazy, but you'll see it actually makes him a pretty good quarterback when it's all said and done. But before we get into giving the statistical projections, I'm sure you guys know how it works at this point. I go through my thought process on everyone, and then I give you the stats at the end. So we're going to go to the running backs. Antonio Gibson, in his last seven healthy games, he averaged 14.8 carries per game. He also had just over three targets per game. Now, when we're looking at McKissick, and I think there's going to be a shift in duties here between McKissick and Gibson, McKissick had 7.5 targets per game during the stretch Gibson was healthy and getting three per game. So they were targeting the running backs a lot. That's double-digit targets to the running back position. I expect, and actually, since, since we're on the topic, the running backs gathered 26% of the team's passes. That's a lot. That is one of the highest by far target shares to a running back among any team in the league. So that's probably going to go down because we know Fitz does not like to check it down, at least not like Alex Smith does. Alex Smith is the check down king. That is not what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. So we're going to be losing some targets from the running back room. So keep that in mind. But I really believe that Antonio Gibson, they were just trying to teach him how to play running back and trying to teach him how to pass block. They didn't want to put too much on his plate. I think when they drafted Antonio Gibson, they had a vision. And the vision for Antonio Gibson was after a couple years or maybe after one year, depending on how fast he picks things up, he will be a third down, or not third down, but like a full workhorse, third down player as well, but a full workhorse running back that gets a bunch of receiving work along with a bunch of carries. And I really believe that McKissick was, he's just a guy. He really is just a guy. Yes, he played wide receiver in college. Yes, he's decent and he's got good hands, but he doesn't do anything electric. He's not making people miss. He's not breaking tackles. He's not doing a bunch of things that Gibson has the potential and has already shown to do. So I really believe McKissick has kind of been a holdover for Gibson, and they're letting McKissick take the receiving last year while they're trying to teach Antonio Gibson the nuances of playing running back. You know, footwork, vision, pass blocking, stuff like that. They didn't want to put too much on his plate. You can kind of see this with with what Rivera did with McCaffrey. Now, McCaffrey got a whole bunch of receiving work his rookie year, so that's not the part I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the increased workload. They didn't put too much on McCaffrey's plate his rookie year because when he went from rookie year to sophomore year, he had more than 100 touches boost. He he had more than 100 new touches in his second year, and I think we can see something similar happen to Gibson, except instead of happening in, happening in the carry portion, I think it's more likely to happen in the receiving portion because Antonio Gibson was at his last seven healthy games getting 14.8 carries. It's probably going to go up a little bit from that because Peyton Barber sucks and Peyton Barber almost had 100 carries, but and I could say that as a Bucks fan because we had Peyton Barber first, but anyways, those are things to consider about Antonio Gibson. He's probably going to start taking on some more receiving work. And McKissick's probably going to lose some because Gibson was a receiver in college. They know he's good at receiving. He's been more efficient than J.D. McKissick in what he's done so far receiving-wise for the team 
And I think he's finally going to start taking that over a little bit. If you don't want to project that, fine. You're going to have Gibson a little lower than me. That's fine, because once I draft Gibson and he gets a huge workload and becomes one of the workhorses in the NFL, both on running uh, rushes and receptions, I will be happy that you felt that way. Anyways, that's what I got on Gibson. Also, what about his efficiency as a runner? They've got new wide receiver weapons. That should really help Gibson see lighter boxes. Plus, remember we talked about them shifting from running the ball 40% of the time last year to 43% of the time this year. They're probably going to be in games further down into the fourth quarter, which means Gibson's got a better opportunity to get carries. Plus, with the offense being better, whether or not they have a whole bunch of turnovers, which is a different conversation, Fitzpatrick knows how to make an offense explosive. And an explosive offense puts points on the board. And an offense that puts points on the board is in the red zone a lot. And at least a lot more than what Washington had last year. And Antonio Gibson is going to have an increased touch count inside the red zone and give him a better opportunity for touchdowns, right? So he should be, his situation does point to him becoming more efficient as a runner, yards per uh, yards per carry, more efficient in terms of touchdowns because he should have more opportunities to do so. But despite those two things, I'm actually projecting very similarly in his efficiency at, to last year when he was on one of the worst offenses in the NFL. There was not many weapons outside of Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas kind of is a weapon, but he's not like anything super special that defenses have to worry about. And despite all that, Antonio Gibson was really good. So just keep in mind that Antonio Gibson, my projection changes for mo- uh, compared to most people in the receiving game. But if you want to say that he should be a better runner. I'm not even projecting that for Antonio Gibson. So just know there is room for him to outperform my projections still. Now, do I have him a little bit above? Like what would be his like average? Yes, but I expect because of how the offense has improved for him to be above average. Now let's move to JD McKissick. Not too much to talk about. He was the passing downs guy. That was his role. I think it's going to be reduced a little bit with Antonio Gibson coming into year two. And he does not get a lot of groundwork. He's been getting four and a half carries per game when Gibson was healthy. His chances at getting touchdowns are slim. So I'm not very high on McKissick. I know a lot of people like him as your late round running back target because of his receiving work. But I really do think he's going to lose a good amount of that both to Gibson and to just the fact that the Washington football team with Fitzpatrick is not going to throw to the running backs as often. Now let's talk about the receivers. We've got Terry McLaurin. Up first, he had a 22.5% target share last year. That is not high enough to the point where adding new players that are good is going to hurt him. Now, if Terry McLaurin had a 27% target share, and then they add Curtis Samuel and add Deami Brown, I would definitely knock it down a little bit because that would be an obvious sign of he's getting over-targeted because he's the only good player. But that has not been the case. He's only been getting a 22.5 target share. So it's not going to get hurt at all by the additions that they've made to this offense. He's still the clear go-to receiver. He's the most well-rounded. He should benefit from the better offense, in fact. If he gets the same target share, but the defense has more to worry about, and the quarterback is not Alex Smith and it's Ryan Fitzpatrick who's willing to push the ball down the field and increase the depth of target, Terry McLaurin should be more efficient. Last year, he averaged 12.9 yards per reception with Alex Smith. 
For reference, his rookie year was 15.8. So I expect it to go back up from 12.9 with Fitz, who just loves to let it fly. Then we've got Curtis Samuel. Remember, he was with Ron Rivera in Carolina. It's not something I see many people talking about. I'm not sure why, if people are just forgetting. But when Curtis was in Carolina with Ron Rivera, he was not used heavily. Why would it be different now? Let me paint the picture for you. All right, let's look at the Panthers when Curtis was over there. They had their DJ Moore, which is now in Washington, Terry McLaurin. They had CMC, which I believe Gibson is going to kind of mold into, not in terms of points per game or how great he's going to be for fantasy, but in terms of usage and the role that he plays. They had Greg Olson. Well, Washington has Logan Thomas. And at the point in his career where Olson was, while Curtis was in Carolina, Logan Thomas is just as good. Now you add Deami Brown as well. There's a lot going on here. Curtis was a gadgety guy. He was versatile. He really helped the Panthers, but he didn't help your fantasy teams when he was with Rivera. I think it's kind of going to be similar here. People are freaking out about how much money they gave to Curtis Samuel. Was it a lot? Yeah, I mean, it was probably too much for the type of receiver Curtis is, but that does not mean that Curtis is going to be getting 100 targets. That does not mean that Curtis Samuel is going to become a possession receiver and the bona fide number two in this offense. Because that's not what he's been with Rivera. Why would that change? And why would they, if that was the case, why would they invest a third-round pick into De'Ami Brown? Just some things to think about. Just some things to think about. Also, let's look at the other receiver that a lot of people seem to be worried about with when it comes to how he's going to affect Curtis and De'Ami. Adam Humphreys. Guys, just real quick on Adam Humphreys. He signed a one-year deal. A one year deal for one million dollars all right one million that's nothing in the nfl adam humphreys is not going to be a key cog in this offense and he's not going to impact players in this offense to the point where we really need to be thinking about him and how he's going to change things for fantasy no guys stop freaking out about adam humphreys and this is coming from a bucks fan who likes the guy but let's be realistic here also something interesting about the wide receivers last year the projections that I'm giving you now are completely, completely, like, subjective. It's how I think it's going to happen. It's not that objective. Why? Usually I'm pretty objective. You cannot, it's not possible to project this team in that way because the second most targeted wide receiver in the Washington offense last year was Cam Sims, and he had 48 targets. 48 targets was the second highest targeted wide receiver now they've got Curtis Samuel De'Ami Brown Terry McLaurin all of these guys are probably getting more than 50 targets so you cannot just look at last year and be you know trying to tweak things off of it it's going to be very different it's going to be a very different offense especially with the new quarterback as well so with that said you guys know how I feel about Curtis he's more of a gadgety versatile guy that's really going to help the offense I don't think he's going to be some huge huge target and that leads me to Deami Brown. Deami Brown is somebody I was pleasantly surprised. I think he has a bigger path to targets than first glance would suggest. I have him at a 16% target share. And yes, is it due to the fact I like him a lot? Of course. But it's also the situation. He is exactly what Washington needed. Terry McLaurin is a do-it-all receiver, and he can function in a deep role, but he's not a deep ball guy. That's not what he's very good at. Deami Brown is very good at that. He will fill that deep role very well. And who loves to throw the deep ball 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, he lets that thing fly. And I think it's going to be perfect for De'Ami Brown and his development and his output in his rookie season. I like De'Ami a lot. I really believe he can develop over the course of this season into the number two for Washington. Like I said, with Curtis taking some carries, taking some screen passes, taking some short routes. And, you know, every once in a while you give him a deep route or a ball over the middle of the field to keep the defense on their toes with Curtis. But overall, Curtis is not going to hurt Diami, and I think Diami might actually be better than Curtis. It's pretty close in my projections. But before we get into those projections, we got to talk about the last guy, and that's Logan Thomas. He's probably hurt. He's the one who, who really gets hurt by the new weapons, him and J.D. McKissick. Now, you could say the running back room overall, but because... Gibson was not getting much receiving work as a rook as a rookie, and I expect that to increase. He's not really losing out by the new weapons. But Logan Thomas and JD McKissick are going to be the most hurt by all the new additions in the offense, taking away targets. But Logan Thomas is not going to be to the point where he's not utilized in the offense. I actually have him projected as the second most targeted player. I just think he his opportunity at like 120 targets is gone. And now I have him more at just about a hundred. So Logan Thomas was the last person we needed to talk about. Now I'll give you guys the statistical projections. Where is everything actually going to go in, remember what, a 17-game season? So let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I have at 604 pass attempts. That's the 57% based off the total play count that we have projected for him. 393 completions, 4,476 yards. Whoa! Too much, too much, Brandon. Not really. He was on pace for over 5,000 when he was with the Bucks, And yeah, that's a different team, but he has the ability. Plus, remember, 17 games. So in a 16-game season, I'm really only projecting him for like 4,200 yards. And we haven't even talked about the fact that he turns over the ball a lot. That's part of the reason why he's so good in terms of yardage and fantasy. That's what the deal was with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston was always putting up mad yardage because of turnovers as well. He just lets it rip with no care in the world. That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick does. So 4,476 yards is not some some big deal to me. 27 touchdowns passing. And then remember we said 200 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. So 30 touchdowns total, just under two a game. But he's probably going to be just under two turnovers a game as well. I don't project out interceptions. I, this is a good time to talk about it because a lot of people will ask me. I don't statistically project out interceptions and turnovers for this reason what I'm doing these projections what is the ultimate goal of them the ultimate goal of these projections is to create rankings for fantasy so all of these things I project have a point value attached to them in fantasy right four point per passing touchdown one point for every 25 passing yards six points for a rushing touchdown all of that stuff well turnovers are massively massively different from league to league. Some people don't count interceptions as anything. That It's zero points, minus zero points. Some leagues are minus one, some are minus two, and some are minus three. If I start implementing the turnovers and attaching a value to it, it's going to skew everything depending on what, what type of league you're in. So just to make it an evil or an equal, sorry, an equal playing field, I just take out the turnovers. So with that said, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm putting his interception rate at about like 3.3% of his passes becoming interceptions. So he would be about 19 interceptions. So if you're worried about it, that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, he's going to turn the ball ball over a little bit more, which just 
increases his risk level. And that's where I use my turnovers to impact a player ranking is the risk level. Because you guys know I have the risk and potential, right? If you go look at the draft sheets, which once again are free, you can find them in a multitude of ways. You can find them in my link on Twitter, in my link on Instagram. You can DM me if for some reason those aren't working for you. But free draft sheets, check them out. Anyways, that's where I implement how much they turn over the ball into their risk rating. So with that said, that's Fitzpatrick. I have him at 19 points per game. High risk player because he turns the ball over a lot and he might get replaced at some point. So high risk, but medium reward, 19 points per game. That's just over Burrow, but once again, not including turnovers. So if you're in a league that counts turnovers as a big deal, then Burrow will be a little bit above Fitz. But I'm taking Burrow anyways because he's not a high-risk player. He's a low-risk player or medium if you're worried about his injury, and he's a high-reward player. So that's why I would take Burrow over Fitz despite the tiny, tiny little 18.8 versus 19 points per game difference. Now let's talk about Antonio Gibson. I have him at 17.9 points per game, 72 targets, 58 receptions, 452 receiving yards, 2 receiving touchdowns. 263 runs, 1,236 rushing yards, and 11 rushing touchdowns. So what is that over the whole thing? Because that's a lot. That's a mouthful. Overall, I have him at 1,700 total yards, so 100 yards a game, and 13 touchdowns total. Antonio Gibson, so far, is my highest projected running back. He's well above, because I have him over two points above these guys per game. J.K. Dobbins and Joe Mixon. And we did the Bears. Oh, and definitely David Montgomery. So Antonio Gibson is my highest ranked running back so far, in case you are wondering. I know a lot of people like to compare him and Dobbins. I definitely would rather have Gibson both this year and for the future, the foreseeable future, because that is 2.5, actually, 2.5 points per game higher than what I have Dobbins and Mixon at. McKissick is at 6.5 points per game. Like I said, not very interested my stat line for him is seven or not 72, sorry, 54 receptions, 54 targets, 38 receptions, 304 receiving yards, two touchdowns, 293 rushing yards off 65 attempts, no touchdowns in that category. So for McKissick, I've got him at 600 yards total and basically 40 receptions, two touchdowns, not too much going on. Now let's move to the receivers, Terry McLaurin. I have him just under Allen Robinson at 15.3 points per game, 139 targets, 88 receptions, 1,304 yards, 7 touchdowns. Now, he definitely has potential to do more. Maybe Fitzpatrick falls in love with him, and maybe his 22.5% target share goes to 25%, and he gets 160 targets or 155 targets. That's definitely in the realm of possibility. Terry McLaurin is somebody I love both for dynasty purposes, who I'm actually way higher on in dynasty because of his youth, and as well as redraft. So he's a solid back-end wide receiver one for you, or a top-tier wide receiver two. Deami Brown, I have at 9.6 points per game. Not far from Rashad Bateman. He's just barely under Rashad Bateman. And that's more of an indictment on Rashad Bateman's situation than it is on his talent, but that's just how it came out for me. Deami Brown, I have at 97 targets, 56 receptions, 768 yards, and five receiving touchdowns. And then we've got Curtis Samuel, just under Diami at 8.8. I have him at 91 targets, so just a little bit less. 53 receptions, 599 yards, 4 receiving touchdowns, but he's also got some rushing production in the form of 20 carries, 123 yards, and 2 touchdowns. So for Curtis Samuel, I have him at 6 touchdowns total. 
right above Diami's five, but Diami does come out a little bit more because of the yardage and extra couple receptions. Then we've got Logan Thomas to finish it out. Logan Thomas, I have at 10 points per game flat, 10.0, and he is under Andrews at 12.3 for reference. So Mark Andrews is my highest so far at 12.3. Logan Thomas is at 10. I got him at 103 targets, 67 receptions. He doesn't really do much with each reception. He's kind of a big lumbering type of dude. 674 yards on those 67 receptions and six touchdowns. That's what I got for the Washington football team, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, drop a review if you like the content. I'm trying to give you the thought process, how I do my projections, and condense it into like a 30-minute podcast. It usually takes me about two and a half hours for each team. But with that said, we've got four teams down. I think the next team I'm going to do is the Eagles, but no promises. So just keep an eye out. See see, see what team you're going to get next. But have a good one, guys. Thanks for tuning in. As always, drop a rating and a review. Helps immensely. Peace. Thank you.